So she's going to take a couple minutes to share that, guys, with you. And I just want to ask you guys, man, when I'm speaking, I expect you guys to give me your full attention. But when we have a guest here, I expect it to be even that much fuller. And uh, so thank you guys, and check this out. Derek, again, thanks for having me. My book is called Welcome Caller, This is Chloe. And probably what you need to know first about it, what it is not. It is not a book with sparkly vampires, werewolves, <laughs> hunky, hunky angels that become boyfriends, or children killing children. Yes. Welcome Caller, This is Chloe is one of the few clean teen books released by a major New York publisher this year. And... On the surface, it's the story of a 16-year-old girl who is ostracized by her best friends, and at the same time, she uh, reluctantly joins her high school's radio station, where she starts a call-in show and gets herself and the station into serious trouble. But when you go a little bit deeper, it's actually the story of a 16-year-old girl whose grandmother's dying. It's the story of a 17-year-old boy whose mother is a meth addict and how he deals with it. And at its core, it is a story about a 16-year-old girl who is bullied. That's awesome. And I don't know about you guys, but you guys, I mean, you guys see this and you relate to this. And I even think of even just uh, recent tragedies around here um, of even suicides and other things that I've read about and seen. And as I've gotten the background of the story, the root of that is bullying. And the root of that is that. And bullying is a big deal right now. I mean, that's kind of the thing that, that, that is out there, the cyber bullying and all that kind of stuff. And so I just wanted you guys just to hear a little bit of her. And this is uh, uh, just a, man, you guys need to pick this book up and check it out. And, um, you, know, as, uh, you know, maybe as a, a read, if you like to read that kind of stuff. And uh, you guys give it up for Shelly. Thank you. I, I did bring one book. I want to sp spread the Chloe love and get Taylor's face out there. Anyone have <laughs> a birthday this week? Yeah. Right here. Happy birthday. You get Chloe. Let me get that to you. There you go. And if you don't know how to read, you can let somebody else have it. <laughs> well, uh, tonight, man, I am so pumped about tonight. Tonight is going to be an amazing, amazing night. We've got a lot of stuff planned in our service tonight, and, uh, and I got a surprise for you guys. And I uh, can't wait to unveil the surprise for you, but, uh, but I'm going to have to hold off on it for now. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 6, let me kind of get us started a little bit on kind of where we've been and where we're going. And I'm actually going to read the entire, uh, uh, the entire passage right here on the armor of God. And what we talked about the first week is we talked a little bit about what is our real war? What is the real war that we face? And the reality is there's a real war out there. There's a real war that we face. We are called, the Bible tells us here in Ephesians 6, that we are going to battle every single day. And the things that we battle against, the Bible tells us, aren't against flesh and blood. They aren't against the things that, that we think that the battle is against sometimes. Sometimes we think it's because my friend, you know, is gossiping about me and the battle is against a human origin. But the reality is the enemy, Satan, may be using that girl's gossip to build up insecurity in your life and, and things like that. And the enemy throws his flaming arrows at us, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. And so there's all of these different things that come up in that real war. And then we talked about the next week as we, we walked through the... Uh, the, the armor of God. We talked about the belt of truth and the fact that truth exists and there's a difference between truth and opinion, truth and preference. There's a difference in that kind of stuff and that there is truth in the word of God. And we believe in the truth because Jesus says, I am the truth. 
I'm the truth. And Jesus is either the truth or he's not the truth, but he can't be both because that is a truth statement that Jesus is making about himself. And then Miles came and taught about the breastplate of righteousness and that the fact that righteousness means that we are in right standing with God. And I kind of fleshed that out a little bit last week and talked about how we are placed, we, we are righteous before God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done through the cross. And when we give our life to Jesus, when God looks at us, he no longer sees a sinful, guilty person, but he sees the righteousness of God in us. And that's the reason that the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, who lived the sinless life, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then last week we talked about the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And the fact that our feet are to be sandaled or shoed or fitted with this readiness. And what did that readiness mean? It, it could mean two things, but both of them are biblical. One, it could mean a readiness in that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And, and we need to be prepared in season and out of season, as Timothy, as Paul tells us when he, in his letter to Timothy. And we need to be ready to give an answer. And I showed you guys Carm.org, a, a website tool that you can use. If you didn't get, if you wasn't here last week, go back and listen to the message, but write down Carm.org. It means Christian apologetics and re- Research ministry. It's a great tool for any friend that you have that's asking you questions that you don't know. It answers it all. From world religions like Islam, Buddhism, whatever, to atheism, agnosticism, or maybe you're here tonight and you believe one or a multiplicity of those things and you want to go check it out and maybe get some of those answers for your faith journey to help you see the truth of the Word of God and the truth of Jesus. And then we talked about it also means a firm foundation, that our feet are to be planted. Our feet are to be planted in a firm foundation. And we talked about Jesus, and Jesus tells us, hey, listen, you need to build your house on the rock so when the storms come and the rain comes in and the wind blows, your, your house will be able to stand. But those who build their house on the sand, those who build their house on the things that are fading, they, when the wind and rain and the storms come, it washes that house away. And I even used the illustration of Junior Seau, who most of you know if you've been watching ESPN or any of those, is is a, a famous football player, one of the best uh, linebackers that has ever played in the game who committed suicide recently. And in an interview with Skip Bayless, he was talking about, uh, Skip Bayless was talking about how all of his close friends, uh, what the reports that are coming out is, is that his life just felt empty ever since football ended for him. And the reality is, is that if that's true, then that means he built his life on the sand. He built his life on something tangible. He built his life on something temporary. He built his life on a game of football. And when that was taken away, he he had nothing else left for his life. And the Bible tells us we need to build our life on Christ. We need to build our life on Jesus. And when we root our foundation in that, the Bible tells us that, that we are, that it is the gospel of peace that goes forth. And I want to come back to that. I want to touch on that a little bit here in a minute. But let's get to the passage and let's read it. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Whose mighty power? His. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers in this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, the second time he said that already in this passage, so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, the reality is there will be a day of evil that's coming. He is warning us. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition, 
To all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Tonight, I want to talk about this last part of this passage where he talks about taking up three things. And the first thing he tells us to take up is the shield of faith. He says, listen, you need to take up this shield of faith. And everyone that was in the audience, everyone that would have read this in the first century in the context of this would have understood that a Roman soldier would have carried a shield with him. And this shield was to be a defensive piece of armor, but it could also be used as an offensive piece of armor as you could hit someone with it or that they could form a wedge and bust through battle lines with this shield. And the shield would have been four feet tall and around two feet wide, and, and, and they, would, they would lock it together. It would be a way that they would, they would stand firm. And what they would do is it would be made of wood, and they would stretch leather over the front of the shield. And then they would take that shield and they would, they would put it in water and the water would soak into the leather so that when they would go to battle, the enemy would begin to shoot arrows from a distance. It was kind of their long-range weapon. If you've ever seen any of the old-time old like war movies like, like Troy or, or uh, Lord of the Rings or any of that kind of stuff, and they would launch the arrows out in the air and they would wet them so that when they would shoot the arrows that were f uh, of fire, they would put fire on the arrows and shoot them, that the water from the shield would extinguish the arrows when it hit and he says listen we need to take up the shield of faith a few weeks back and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on faith because about six weeks ago I talked about faith and I went in detail about faith and if you remember I had a ropes up here and and I talked about how that faith is important faith means trust faith means believing it means putting our trust and faith in Jesus and and faith is is the foundational to salvation for Ephesians tells us it is by grace the move of God by faith, our response to him that we are saved. It is by faith. If you don't trust and believe in Jesus, there is no salvation based on Ephesians chapter 2. And so it's important, remember, if you remember that message, is I took the rope and I, I anchored it into this, and I said that something like that wouldn't hold me. And what happens is, is that we anchor our faith in a lot of things in our life. Sometimes we anchor that faith in a boyfriend. Sometimes we anchor it into a relationship with the friends at school. Sometimes we anchor it into our parents. Sometimes we anchor it into all these different things. And what ends up happening is those relationships let us down. Our boyfriend breaks up with us. Our parents' marriage falls apart. This happens, that happens. And then we say, oh man, what am I going to do now? All of my faith was built into this one person or this one thing, and, and, and now it doesn't stand. And the Bible tells us that we need to anchor our faith in the Jesus Christ because when we anchor our faith in him, we can, it, it can hold us up. It'll hold us up. And he tells us to take up the shield of faith. And what happens is, is that when we have faith, when we trust in God, when the enemy begins to launch his flaming arrows at us, our trust in God helps us to overcome that. Remember the first uh, week in this one, I was talking about the real war, and I was talking about how what Satan does is he uses the hook of the, he baits the hook of our flesh with, 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 the, with the things of the world. And this idea is, is that, man, he throws this stuff at us, and so maybe a flaming arrow that he throws your way is lust or porn or something like that. Maybe a flaming arrow he throws at you is, is that you're not worthy or that, that you're not beautiful or that you're too fat or you're not pretty enough or, or whatever. And he begins to launch these arrows at you. And you're like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. And the Bible tells us, pick up the shield of faith. Have faith. Trust God. Trust what the word of God says about you and not what the world says about you. Trust God. Have faith in him that he's going to help you overcome. And then he says, pick up the helmet of salvation. Take up the helmet of salvation. 
Now, we talked a lot about salvation and that salvation is by grace through faith, but this helmet that he's talking about is the, victory's, the victor's helmet. This is the victor's helmet. And what this represents is this, is that the victory is already won. He's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. What he's saying here is that what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel that we've been talking about over the last few months, what he has accomplished through the cross has provided a way, has accomplished and said it is finished and Jesus has given us the victory. So now we can have victory in Jesus through what he's done for us on the cross. And that's what I was talking about last week. I know I made some people upset last week in some of our conversations. And some people took what I said as as if you don't have peace in your life. That means that you're ungrateful. And that's not true. I never even used the word ungrateful. What I said was, is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a fruit of the gospel is peace. Is peace. And if you say that I follow Jesus, I put my trust and faith in Jesus, and the only thing you know in your life is turmoil, depression, and destruction, then you don't know Jesus, the Prince of Peace. What that does not mean is, it does not mean that you can't struggle. It doesn't mean that you can't have issues. It doesn't mean that you can't have trials. It doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time. Because, listen, Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to make us happy. Jesus died on the cross to make us holy. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Listen, I assure you that Paul was not happy when in Rome in around AD 64 when he was laid down and they took an axe and chopped his head off. He wasn't happy about that. He wasn't like, hey guys, how's it going? Give me some dap. Hey, make sure you get me right here good. You know I mean? I want it to be quick. It wasn't like that. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us happy. I mean, here's the deal about suffering, and this is John Stott says this. And some of you guys have been through some intense stuff. I mean, you hear these stories from the baptisms, and it's just crazy. And John Stott says this. Suffering is something that is particularly associated with humanity. But the scars in the hands and feet of Jesus show us that God, too, knows what it means to suffer. Let me say that again. Suffering is something that is particularly associated with humanity. But the scars in the hands and feet of Jesus show us that God too knows what it means to suffer. If you're going through difficulty and depression and situations in your life, you need to know that God understands that. Because Jesus suffered. God suffered in Jesus. God the Son. And so you need to know that that your suffering and these things that you're dealing with is not so far removed from God that he doesn't understand your situation and that he can't bring healing to it. And many times in our lives we don't have peace because we don't have the Prince of Peace. And additionally to that, some of us have the Prince of Peace. Some of us have Jesus and we've accepted Christ, but we don't have peace in our life because we don't put on the armor of God. And we're living a defeated Christian life. And I want to address that with you guys because I think that is super important that we talk about this defeated Christian life, which leads me to the third piece of the armor tonight, and that is to take up the sword of the Spirit. What's what's going on? Uh, 
Okay, well. Okay. I'm I'm a little scared right now. Hey, 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 hold on. Hold on a second here. Hold on. What? Dude, what are you doing, man? What's, what's going on? What's going on? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, probably, I don't think you should kill somebody here in our, in our service tonight. Said, or me, or me. All right, I'm just, right, just playing. See, this is, this, is how, this is how many of us, this is how many of us live our Christian lives, man. The enemy's coming and he's attacking us and he's throwing the beat down on us and he knocks us down on the ground and we're sitting here laying down on the ground and when we don't put on our armor, when our sword's laying over on the ground and we're not holding our sword, when we are beat down, man, we cannot defeat the enemy when the enemy's attacking us. And this is the whole point of this passage. I mean, they would have understood when he was reading this passage, they would have understood the significance of the battle. They would have seen Roman soldiers walking around all the time, maybe even daily in the streets. They understood this. And so when he was talking about this armor of God, they understood the protection that it provided. And they understood that the sword of the spirit was the offensive weapon that we have in order to attack back, in order to, to mount our offensive and if you don't have an offensive, if you don't have a sword, if you don't have something to protect yourself, the enemy is coming after you, and you are not going to be able to defend yourself. Thanks, guys. Y'all give it up for him. <laughs> y'all give it up for uh, y'all give it up for the um, y'all give it up for the medieval times uh, for sending out some of their guys tonight. And uh, and uh, actually, uh, I thought it'd be cool. Uh, who would like to go to the medieval times on us? Who would like to go to the medieval times on us? Let's see here. Let's see here. It pays to sit on the front row, man. That's tickets for two to medieval times. You can take your date there. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. This is what Hebrews 4.12 says. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active. The word of God is alive. When you read the Bible, when you read the scripture, the scriptures come alive. It is living and active. This isn't some old dead book that is from years ago that we don't have to, we don't have to follow. Any, and it always cracks me up when people say that. They're like, yeah, but man, wasn't the New Testament written like 2,000 years ago? Like that is irrelevant for me today. And what I say to that is, well, listen, number one, God lives outside of space and time, and the Word of God comes from the character of God and comes from the heart of God, and the Word of God is timeless because God is timeless. God isn't confounded by time, and the Bible says that a thousand years is but a day to the Lord, and if a thousand years is but a day to the Lord, then 2,000 years ago was two days ago to God. Amen. That's what, that's what y'all should have said after that. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. What does that mean? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. What that means is, is that the weapon that you have in the word of God is sharper than any sword, any weapon that can be formed against you. Your sword is stronger. 
He says, for we are to put on the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. For many of us, we have no clue about Scripture. We have no clue about the Word of God. We have no clue about what the Word of God says about anything. We live in the most biblically illiterate generation that has ever lived. Man, we, we say, yeah, I want God to change my life, and I want God to work in my life, and I want the Word of God to change and transform my life, and we never pick it up. And this is how most of us go into battle. We pull out our, we're like, Ugh. come on. This is how most of us go into battle, right? We're like, I know John 3.16. I know John 3.16. I'm going to get you. And the enemy's got this massive sword. He's like, you ain't going to get me with that. Right? You ain't going to get me with that. Listen, man, here's the challenge. The challenge tonight is, is to take up the word of God. Take up the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. Many of you are living defeated lives because you aren't putting on the Word of God. Listen, here's the deal. Your weapon is sharper, this Bible tells us. Your weapon, the Word of God, is stronger than any weapon that can be formed against you. And what happens is, is that when you have confidence in your weapon, when you have confidence in the word of God, when you have confidence in that, Satan can do nothing to you. The enemy can do nothing to you. It reminds me of Crocodile Dundee. Check out this video, and this will help you, help you see what I'm talking about. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Yeah. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Do we, we have a sword in here? Did, did they leave a sword in here for us? Can we get a sword? Hey, Tony, can you go grab one of their swords and come back? Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, here's the situation. Here, this is what we're dealing with, guys. Listen, what happens is, is that when we, our knife is bigger. Our God is bigger. Our God is bigger than any situation. Our God is bigger than anything that could come against you. Our God is bigger and the Word of God can handle all of those situations. Let me tell you, when, in my life, when I, when I gave my life to Christ and I began to, oh yeah. <sighs> when I gave my life to Christ and, you know, I began to grow in my faith and I began to read the Word of God, I mean, that began to change me. And I began to memorize Scripture. And I remember the hardest thing for me to quit was, was cussing. And so I began, to, I began to quote scripture. I began to memorize scripture. And I was like, I was like uh, do, not, uh, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only which builds others up and lifts up the kingdom. How can praise and cursing come from the same mouth? And, and I would go through these things. I would quote the scripture. And I remember, I, remember I, you know, I was like, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this drinking thing. And I'm trying to get victory over this in my life. And so I, I started looking through the Bible. I went to the back table contents of my Bible. My youth pastor didn't show me this. Nobody showed me this. And I went to the back table contents of my Bible. And I saw drinking and I saw Bible verses. And I went 
went to Proverbs chapter 20, and the first Bible verse that I memorized was Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, which says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. He who is led astray by them is not wise, for the king's wrath is like the rule of a lion. He who disobeys him forfeits his life. Beer is a brawler, wine is a mocker. He who is led astray by them is not wise. And I began memorizing other scriptures and other scriptures and other scriptures and other scriptures to help me combat the battles that were within me. And what happens is, is that sometimes you guys see battles in front of you and you are like, that battle is way too big for me. Derek, you don't understand. Like, I have an addiction. Derek, you don't understand. I have, I have this situation. I have this sin. I have this issue. And listen, you have no idea how difficult it is. And I cannot break free from it. I don't care what you say. I mean, it is like a mountain in front of me. I mean, any of you guys ever feel that way? You just feel like, dude, there, I, I want to get my life together. I want to do stuff right. I mean, I want to get, but dude, there's a mountain in front of me. I just feel like I can't get past it. Any of you guys ever feel that way? I mean, I've felt that way before. I mean, it's kind of like this. Come up here, uh, uh, Jordan. It's kind of like this. Y'all give it up for Jordan. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. If I wanted to attack Jordan right now, <laughs> it would be a short day of work. Like, I would, I would tear him up. I mean, I, mean, I bench press like 325 pounds. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I work out, you know, pretty often. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let me see what you're working with right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what I'm working with right there. And, you know, so, I mean, if, I mean, if Jordan came to attack me, like, it would be, like, I mean, I mean, he would stand no chance. And so, if I attacked Jordan, he would be dead. And, and, but here's the deal. If I gave Jordan a sword... If I gave Jordan a sword, I would be in trouble if I attack. In fact, I'll just tell you right now. I would never attack Jordan if he had a sword because Jordan could kick my butt. This, level, this doesn't level the playing field. This puts him on a higher deal. Thanks, bro. And this is what happens. Yeah, you can say And this is what happens. What happens is sometimes we see something that is big in front of us with the enemies attacking us, and we're like, man, I can't get through this. I mean, this is bringing me down. This is tearing me up. This is beating me down. I mean, it's all of those things. And the Bible is telling us, dude, get ready. Put on the full armor of God. Pick up the sword because your sword is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it doesn't matter how big that situation is in your life. The Word of God can take it, and the Word of God can destroy it. It's true. It's true. And I've seen it in my life, and I've seen it in other people's lives, and I can give you testimony after testimony, and you heard some of them tonight, on how God's Word can change your life, how God's Word can give you strength and power over things that you never thought possible. And here's my challenge to you. Test it. Test it. Some of you are saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe that. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in that. Listen, if you keep living your life the way you're living your life and you don't surrender your life to Christ and you don't put on the full armor of God, let me tell you something. In five years from now, you're going to be struggling with the same things, dealing with the same things, and battling the same things. Don't say I didn't tell you. I say test it out. Surrender your life to Christ. Say, God, I have nothing to give. I'm broken. I'm hopeless. 
Lay your life down at his feet and let him pick the pieces up. Let him fix your life. Press into him. The Bible doesn't say, hey, you got to be a perfect person. Go get all of your life together and then you can come to Christ. The Bible says, take your messed up, jacked up, crooked, dysfunctional life and bring it and lay it down at the feet of Jesus and let him put it back together. That's the difference. And I want to challenge you guys with the word of God. I believe that the word of God is powerful. And, 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 we, and, and this isn't rocket scientists. I mean, the, the scripture tells us here when the day of evil comes. The reality is the day of evil is going to come. And this is what happens too. You say, Derek, man, listen, you don't understand. I, 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 I do get my fill of God. Like I get my fill. I mean, I come to 12 Stone on Sunday morning. Like I come to the point on Thursday night. And, and what I would say is, is that that's great and you should because it is, the Bible is clear on community and us coming together as a body of believers. And, and the whole church deal was Jesus' idea. And if a Christian comes to me and says, hey, I'm a Christian, but I live in isolation. I have my own relationship with God, I don't need the church, I would say you don't understand what the Bible teaches and that is sinful based on the word of God. So we need each other and it's important that you connect in environments like the point and it's important even this summer because we're going to have the point every Thursday night this summer and so come every Thursday night and be a part of what's going on. We're not ending for the summer if some of you were confused about anything and we'll give you a summer calendar later. We're not ending this summer but if you go for three months this summer doing your own thing, hanging out with your own deal and not connecting to a body of believers and growing in your face, I promise you the enemy is going to attack you and he's going to destroy destroy you. But what happens is, is that sometimes we make our faith about an event and, and it just becomes another activity in our life. And so it's like, I wake up in the morning, I brush my teeth, I brush my hair. I don't really do that. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, and I go to school and then, and then, then when I get home from school, I do homework and then I go hang out with some friends. I get on Facebook and then tomorrow I do the same thing, <laughs> go to lunch with my mom and dad and, and I got a soccer game. And then the next day, it's the same thing. I go to school, and I come home, and then, and then I go to church. And, and the point in Sunday mornings and church is just another activity in the midst of all the activities that you have going on in the week. And church becomes an activity. It becomes a hobby. It doesn't become a life. Your relationship with Christ, a true worshiper, worship is life. It is your lifestyle. This is what it is. It is I'm a follower of Christ. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm preparing my heart for God. I'm, I'm getting in God's word. I'm preparing myself and then, so that when I go to school, I can reflect the gospel. I can reflect Jesus. I can love people the way that Christ loved the church so that they could come, so the way that Christ loved people and so that they can see the love of Christ in me. And I'm going to go over to that kid who's being bullied who nobody else will stand up for and I'm going to stand up for that kid and, and I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to represent Christ in in my church and in my school in every possible way that I can. And then I'm going to come home and yeah, my mom and dad may not be Christians and yeah, my mom and dad may not do things this way or that way or whatever, but I'm not going to come home and fight with my parents all night and I'm not going to come home and I'm not going to, going to bash them and beat them up. I'm not going to storm up the house and slam the door and disrespect them, but I'm going to honor and obey my parents as the word of God tells me to so that they can see the love of Christ in me and I'm going to love them how Christ would have me love them so that they they may see the love of Christ in me because that's the most important thing in me because it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. What happens is, is that when we make 
our faith with God, just this activity that we do every week. When the day of evil comes, that day may not be Sunday or Thursday. That day may be Tuesday or Wednesday. That day may be Saturday. We are not prepared for the battle. See, there's a big difference, a big, big difference in going to battle and being prepared for battle. A perfect example of that is this clip from one of my favorite movies of all time. Dark sauce. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. There'll be more than a few hundred of them. This is a surprise. Silence. We heard Sparta was on the warpath. We were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. Would you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? You see, I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter. And you? Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. You? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? You see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. I don't know about y'all, but dude, that gets me, I basically just want to beat up somebody. I mean, that, that, that is just bad, you know what I'm saying? That just gets me pumped up, and here's the deal, and here's the situation, dude, listen, there's a difference, listen, there's a difference in going to battle and being prepared for battle. An athlete knows this. If an athlete wants to perform well, they cannot just show up for game day. They have to practice and train every day so that they can perform at the highest level on game day. And what happens in our faith journey is the same way. If we're not living a disciplined life, if we're not practicing and and getting into God's word and, and studying his word and letting that sharpen our life, if we don't do that, if we're not growing in our faith, listen, we will not be prepared for battle and we will be defeated. Now hear me, this is not what I'm saying. I am not saying that if you don't read your Bible, I'm not saying that if you're not in the Word every day that you're not a Christian. What I am saying is, is that if you aren't in the Word of God and if you're not growing in your understanding of God's Word, if you're not picking up the sword, if you're not doing that, you are going to be a defeated Christian. You are not going to be effective for the kingdom of God. There may be major plans that God has for you, but because you will not get into God's word, as Psalm 119 tells us, that I've hidden my words in my in your I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. David is saying, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. And so you are going to be distracted and you are going to be defeated by some sin issue in your life because you can't get victory because you will not pick up your sword and go to battle. I'm going to conclude with this, and I think this is just appropriate. This is why we gave you guys the 30-day This Is War devotional. So that you guys could begin a pattern of studying God's word, getting into his word, letting that 
permeate your life, letting that infiltrate your life, letting that change and transform your life. Something is really cool, and I want to give you guys a summer challenge. And I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. But I want you to take the challenge because I believe that God wants to do big things for you. And I don't think that the summertime is a break because this is what happens. And I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to tell you straight up. Some of you guys that are in this room tonight will not be here in the fall because you have fallen away from God and fallen away from the faith because of the decisions you make this summer. I've been a youth pastor for 10 years and I see it every year and I guarantee you it will happen this year. To someone. And I don't tell you that to bring you bad news or to be a Debbie Downer or any of that kind of stuff. It's just the reality. And if you don't sharpen yourself and get in God's word and prepare yourself every day, you are setting yourself up for defeat. And so the summer challenge is this. There are 89 days, including today, 89 days between today and the first day of school in the fall. Interestingly enough, there are 89 chapters in the four Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the summer challenge is this, is for you guys to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the story of Jesus. Your, your challenge for this summer is to read through those four Gospels. Read a chapter a day, 89 chapters. If you miss a day, don't panic and throw the whole thing out. Just read two chapters the next day. If you get behind, it's not a marathon. It's just about spending time with God and spending time in his word. I want to challenge you and encourage you to get in God's word. I want to challenge you with a summer challenge to get into God's word. 89 chapters, 89 days. I guarantee you that if you put on the full armor of God, if you pick up your sword, if you start getting in God's word, I guarantee you if you read the four gospels in the life of Jesus, your life will be changed forever, I promise. And that's my challenge to you for this summer. And next week, at the beginning, we're going to have a time, uh, even, even as you guys are getting here, so I would challenge you to get here a little early next week. And by the way, we want you coming early. We want you coming at like 6 o'clock. And the reason we want you coming at 6 o'clock is because we want you guys to grow in relationship with each other. That's why this summer, starting two weeks from tonight, we're going to be having an activity time from 6 to 7 every single week throughout the entire summer. One night we're going to have water wars night. And we're going to have balloon fights and this and all this kind of stuff from 6 to 7. And then 7 we're going to come in here and do our service. And, uh, and our services are going to be wrapped around these first five weeks of the summer are going to be a how-to series. The first week, starting in two weeks, is going to be on how to pray. Some of you guys have been wanting to have a prayer life and want to know how to do that. We're going to talk about how do you pray. What does that look like? The next two weeks are going to be on how do you read the Bible? How do you study the Bible? How can you get the most out of it? That would be relevant for this 89-day challenge. Then the third night, the, the, the last two weeks, I'm going to be teaching you guys how to share your faith. I'm going to teach you how to share your faith so that you can share your faith with confidence, with friends and people around you. That's what we're going to be doing. And then in July, we're going to do a series on the parables, and we're going to talk about the parables and uh, uh, go through a few of the parables in July. And then in August, we're going to begin gearing up for the most sick, nasty, back-to-school bash that's ever happened at the Point Ministry on August the 30th. It's going to be sick, nasty. I'm just telling you right now, we've already booked the first I ain't going to tell you what it is. We've already booked it. And, dude, I'm telling you, it is, it is. Look, what we've booked, I'll just say this. We've already booked someone. We've already booked a band that has played at 
the Super Bowl party uh, for, the, for the athletes that has played, that plays all over the country. They're one of the most highly recognized uh, uh, bands that are out there. They're getting called for corporate events. They're all over the place. And these mugs are freaking sick, nasty, amazing. And they're going to be here on our day. I'm just telling you, you got some whispering, all this kind of stuff, whatever. No, 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 no. It's not Lil Wayne, I promise. And, uh, and uh, so it's going to be awesome. So make sure. So tonight, shh, tonight, and I'm kind of going into announcements now. Tonight, let me just tell you, tonight when you leave, when you leave here tonight, there's going to be the high school ministry summer calendar that they're going to give to you when you walk out the doors of the building tonight. And the cool thing about the high school ministry summer calendar is as everything that I just ta- talked about and more, we're going to have a Gwinnett Braves night. I have 200 Gwinnett Braves tickets to a game on June the 15th, and you guys are invited, and I'll give you guys free tickets to the game. We're going to have a Sky Zone and lunch thing on uh, June the 5th. There's, we're going to have, we're gonna have a, a rising 9th grader and, and rising 10th grader pool party on July 29th. We're going to, I mean, dude, we're going to, this summer is going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy. I want you guys to be a part of it. Also, shh, also, listen, I want you guys also to turn your attention down to the bottom. If you're new tonight, we want to welcome you here. We want you to know that we have a texting thing where we can send out text messages to you, kind of reminding you of stuff that's coming up. So, for example, in the, before the Water Wars night, we'll shoot out a text to you so that you know what you know to bring your bathing suit and all this kind of stuff. And so on that particular night, uh, if, you, if you're not a part of our texting thing, we have something that is cool. You no longer have to fill out the forms and all that kind of stuff. What you'll do is your parents can text. Your parents can text join parents at 40650 and they will automatically be added to the texting list or you can text join 12 stone HSM which stands for high school ministry and uh, to that number as well and it will automatically join you into the texting thing so that you'll get text updates and all that kind of stuff all this information is on here you'll get this when you go out tonight also a few other announcements and if you want to know where these announcements are you can pick up this little piece of paper right here which has all the announcements on it those those pieces of paper and why I'm going through this let me just say um for whoever that was smoking in the bathroom before we started tonight, just smoke outside. <laughs> um, or don't smoke at all. Um, yeah, probably not a good idea to smoke in, the, in a church bathroom. Just a thought. Uh, also, and, and some of this stuff's on here, also I want to challenge you guys with something. And the last thing is, is that I, I told you guys last week about an opportunity to be able to serve, to be able to serve in, in our ministries around the church. And, and uh, we, man, that's what, that's what we're about, man. I, I want our high school ministry to be the leaders in serving around our church, church-wide. And there's an opportunity this summer for some of you guys that serve in the children's ministry. And let me just say this. If, uh, if you don't like children, it's probably not a good idea to sign up for that. Um, there's other things that you can do. Oh, you the man. Uh, there's probably other things that you should do. Uh, but uh, but I, we've got this little video right here from uh, the Children's Summer Spot thing we want to show you guys. And you can get signed up and registered uh, to, to serve with our children this summer. In fact, if you're already serving in children's ministry, raise your hand. A whole bunch of you. All right, good.
So if you're interested in children's ministry, yes. Now listen, I want to add this preface. I want to add this preface to it, though. Serving in the children's ministry is not, is not a substitute for church on Sunday morning. And I, I want you guys to know, man, I believe, and I've been to a lot of churches, I believe that, that PK, uh, Kevin Queen, I believe that, you know, even John Maxwell last week. I mean, dude, these guys, these guys are some of the best communicators of God's word in the country, maybe even in the world. And I want to challenge you guys to come and, and be a part of Sunday morning service. If you've never been here on Sunday morning at 12 Stone, I want to invite you to Sunday morning because I believe that it is awesome and is amazing and God can do big things in your life. So make sure you're not skipping out on a service to go to that. What I say is attend a service and serve in a service. Attend one and serve in one. We're going to break out now and head out to our small groups and our small group time. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Don't forget, 89 chapters, 89 days. Read Matthew chapter 1 tonight. <laughs> Love you all. See you all next week. Next week is going to be sick, nasty.